Five o'clock in Pirate Country, and 94.3 The Game is going to get you home with the P-Man. In five, four, three, two, one. Lock it in, turn it up. It's time for the Patrick Johnson Show on 94.3 The Game. This is the flagship station of the ECU Pirate. Too early for that, D-Rock. We don't quite have Jim Zoki quite yet. By the way, I'm not too happy with Jim Zoki. We'll get to that later in the uh, later in the show here. In the meantime, welcome into the Patrick Johnson Show. I'm your host, B-Baby Ben Barham. Back with my, my man, D-Rock. And boy, have I, have I missed you, D-Rock. I missed you too, buddy. I've uh, been stuttering here because I don't really believe that because you screwed up immediately, you peasant. I can't stand you. I'm going to be honest. I just picked a song and I didn't even realize that was the same one. I had it set up for you. I love you, D-Rock. I love you so much. Anyways, welcome into the Patrick Johnson Show. Ben Byron filling in for the P-Man, enjoying his Labor Day weekend. Much deserved for him. Glad to have my man D-Rock back. Last few times I've been kind of rolling solo all the way. So it's good to have my main partner in crime here, D-Rock, Derek Alcorn, the fabulous and wonderful. He's got big things on the way. I'll leave that up to him later on in the uh, show if he wants to talk about it or not. In the meantime, a lot happened in sports over the weekend. Of course, a lot of college football. I don't want to bore you to death talking about Clemson and how they lost or Alabama because you've heard all that. You probably heard it in the Raleigh show earlier today. As a matter of fact, you probably heard a lot of NC State on the flagship station of the ECU Pirates, which is a disgrace, and I won't bore you stuff like that. Um, instead, we're going to talk about the other stuff. We will get into college football, but we're going to try to leave that kind of stuff out of it and talk about what else happened in college football, the stories that are not being talked about as much. And we're going to do it with a little segment I like to call one of my favorite segments on the Patrick Johnson Show, Weekend Winners, Weekend Worse. It's time for Weekend Winners. And the weekend's worst. Worst day of my life. What do you think? Here on the Patrick Johnson Show. All right. Let's start with the obvious. Let's face it. This was Thursday, but I'm going to throw it in here. And I'm going to keep it light. You've heard it. It's been done to death at this point. ECU lost in terrible fashion. They look unmotivated. Thank you. Weekend worst. Thank you, Derek. Thank you, Derek. They looked unmotivated. Looked like a bunch of quitters and losers, quite frankly. I mean, I can't sugarcoat it for you, Derek. They they straight up look like they quit in the fourth quarter. I mean, when you finish a game, think about it. The score was 33-19. to 19. The score is a lot closer than the game looked. But even if the score is 33-19, to 19, you should not finish the game, especially when you had the ball multiple times in the fourth quarter with two timeouts still on the board. That tells me you baited up. You straight up quit. You gave up. I was in class for when the game happened to start. So could you give a little breakdown to how much they quit? Well, let's see. Uh, there was a point where they should have went for it on fourth down in the fourth quarter, I think trailing by two touchdowns. Instead, they sent the field goal unit out there. That tells you all you need to know. The guy already missed earlier in the night, freshman kicker. Um, let's face it. They gave up. Coaching staff looked unmotivated. Mike Houston's going to have a lot of explaining to do after that loss to App State. I mean, quite frankly, there's no other way to, to beat around the bush there, and I'm not going to beat around the bush. I'm going to tell you the truth. I'm going to talk to you like a, like a real person, mano y mano, like you would talk to your friends. I'm not going to come up here like most broadcasters and put on a voice, put on a fake voice, and tell you all that you, you want to hear, tell you everything you want to hear. That team didn't look good, not in any facet. The only thing I can think of that looked good in that game 
was the tight ends. Shane Calhoun got a touchdown. Ryan Jones, the transfer, got a touchdown. That's all I can think of, and that was in garbage time. So Mike Houston's going to have a lot of explaining to do after that App State loss, specifically how he managed that fourth quarter. It was abysmal. Which is why you should check out the Mike Houston Radio Show later tonight, live from Logan's Roadhouse. It airs on our station right here at 6 on 94.3 The Game. Now that I got that out of the way, the opening college football weekend wasn't all that bad, even though ECU lost. Normally, that would just completely devastate my whole college football world, but there were some positives that happened this weekend. Bunch of scumbags from the state lost. We weren't the only ones. Teams like UNC who went up to Blacksburg and laid an egg. They lost to the Turkeys 17-10. And I call VT the Turkeys because the only group that looked like Hokies in that game was the Tar Holes. Hey-oh! Rimshot? Rimshot? No? Darn. Okay. All right. Derek didn't appreciate that joke. I don't blame him. It was a little bit corny. But yeah, you're talking about a team in UNC who's kind of the outside looking in when it comes to the college football playoffs. And once I think the expansion comes into effect, Nick, Derek, you can start looking. You can stop looking for it, my man. It's gone. It's gone. It's fine. It's better that it didn't play. My man is like intensely trying to look for a rim shot there on his computer. It's fine, my man. I'm gonna make you sound good. It's okay. <laughs> it's okay. Anyways, UNC was a team on the outside looking in when it comes to the college football playoffs. Had high hopes for this season, getting five-star recruits. Uh, not necessarily common for UNC when it comes to football. Basketball, it's a different story, of course. We already know about their pedigree in that sport, including Duke. We'll get to Duke later. But, yeah, I, I think this loss completely kind of ruined their season. They can run the table, and I still don't think they deserve to be in the college football playoffs. I really, I really believe that. I mean, that game against Virginia Tech, get it. I know Virginia Tech's always, thank you, Derek, for my music there. I know Virginia Tech's always pretty tough, even in their down years, but UNC, you're getting five-star recruits now. You have the best quarterback in the country in Sam Howell. That's a guy that's going to probably be the first overall pick next year as the Heisman favorite coming into the season. He didn't look great. He did not look great whatsoever. Bunch of phonies. Let's face it, bunch of phonies. That's a team that's going to greatly benefit from expanding college football playoffs. This year, they're obviously not going to get in. But next year, we're talking 12 teams are allowed in. They get, I think if they get like two or three losses, they'll be considered and get in. Which is unfortunate. But yeah, UNC definitely, I mean, UNC losing, I consider that a weekend winner. I don't like any other teams in the state except ECU. I think they're all garbage. Moving on. Their rival, the Dukies, went to Charlotte. And gave the Niners their very first win over an FBS opponent. Congrats to them. Weekend winner. I think my man Phil the Ref Pilkington, his sister Emily was at that game. I think that was her first college football game, if I'm not mistaken. What a one to go to. She goes to Charlotte. That was a lot of fun. I saw they storm the field. I thought that was a little bit overboard for Charlotte to storm the field after beating Duke. But hey, they never done it before. People keep saying, act like you've done it before. Well, they they, quite frankly, have never done it before. This is new to them. Let them have their fun. And screw the Dukies. Dukies can beat it. I mean, they're stuck with UNC now. Bunch of garbage. 0-1. They're about the same now. So that was a lot of fun over the weekend, seeing those teams lose. Not to mention, the American Conference as a whole struggled. And kind of the field in the American Conference where ECU's kind of looped into when we talk about our navies. We talk about it, to a certain extent, are Tulsa, even though Tulsa was really good last year. 
teams like Tulsa, USF, um, insert name here, Houston. Houston was a team I thought was very overrated. People think they're going to be at the top of the conference. Didn't look so good against Texas Tech. Got beat by Texas Tech. Uh, we can derail that hype train a little bit. Mike, or whatever that guy's name. Who's who's the head coach? What's the head coach's name? No, he's got a skullet. Never mind that. You don't have to look it up, Derek. He's a clown. He sucks. Comes from West Virginia. I don't know why they thought that was going to be a good hire. I mean, just I'm tired of these overrated coaches coming to the American and people freaking out about them just because they went to a school from a bigger conference. He's automatically going to have success in the American. It's been proven time and time again that doesn't work. Well, we're seeing it firsthand here with Houston. The guy's a clown. But I think with these losses, it kind of evens out the playing field, and the losses I'm talking about are Tulsa. Tulsa lost to UC Davis. So you can suck it, Tulsa. UC Davis defended our honor after the Tulsa screw job last season. I still maintain. I hate to be bitter about the whole thing. I still maintain. ECU won that game against Tulsa. I actually picked Tulane to win this game, believe it or not, but the Green Wave barely lost 40-35 to to Oklahoma on the road. I think that makes the conference look good. But who knows? We'll see how Tulane bounces back from that. I thought they had a really good defense. I thought they were going to give Oklahoma a run for its money. That's why I picked them to win. And that, that pick didn't look all that bad. I don't think anybody had it being that close. So that's a pretty solid pick. And uh, who knows how Tulane bounces back from that loss. Is it going to completely deflate, or deflate their team? Deflate their motivation? Deflate their energy? We'll see. That could definitely benefit ECU somewhere down the road when we play them. I believe at home, by the way. Marshall beat the dog piss out of Navy 49-7. to that Marshall game sure does not look good right about now. I look at it this way. When you look at the non-conference schedule, obviously we lost to App State. I was expecting that to be a loss, even though I said we would win by two touchdowns. But, hey, objectively, if you're looking at it from an objective standpoint, you probably were going to expect App State to lose. You look at South Carolina, I think we could beat South Carolina. South Carolina is still really bad. They don't even know who their starting quarterback is going to be. They played three starting quarterbacks against Eastern Illinois. They don't know who it's going to be in. Even Beamer here, Shane Beamer, he even said he has no idea who the quarterback's going to be in that ECU game. So we'll see. I think that game's going to be a lot closer than people realize, and I think we'll win that game. The big thing is just the defense not missing tackles. That was the thing, more than anything, in that game against App State that really just grounded my gears was missing tackles. It's been five or six years we've been watching ECU defenses, especially in the secondary, just continue to miss tackles. It is so annoying, and its I bet you I'm not the only one annoyed by it, obviously, but there's no man more annoyed than Mike Houston. Believe that, and I'm sure you'll talk a little bit about that in the uh, radio show here at 6, but gosh, it sucks to see. I think that's going to be the key to the game. Just don't miss tackles. Don't miss tackles, and you'll be set. It's quite frankly that simple. I'm not going to give you – I'm not going to overanalyze the game. Just don't miss tackles. The offensive line could still be bad, and I think we've seen when the offensive line was bad, Holden can still work a little bit of his magic. He got a lot of flack in that game, but I still, I personally thought Holden looked pretty, he looked fine. His completion numbers weren't great, I get that. You look at it this way, everyone kind of holds, you look at the stat line, you see two touchdowns, one interception, he completed 55% of his passes. I think he had 300 passing yards. It's not a bad game. He did get his rushing attack was ineffective, but I was expecting that to be a little bit ineffective considering he lost weight. Part of what made his rushing and mobility work was that he was a thick, kind of sizable, tight end built kind of quarterback. 
he can run over guys. He's lost a lot of weight since last year. He doesn't look like the same Holton Aylers in terms of his physical appearance. So I think his rushing numbers and his mobility is going to take a little hit, just a hit, a little bit. But when you look back to that game against App State and his passing, it could have easily been three touchdowns. If it wasn't for that call at halftime, it could have easily been a touchdown or interception. It could have gone either way. I personally thought it was a touchdown. You think it would have been a different story if, let's say, another touchdown was on the board and Holton had three passing touchdowns? I think so. I think this narrative that Holton Aylers needs to be benched for Mason Garcia, which, by the way, you don't want that. If you're an ECU fan, trust me, you don't want that. The coaching staff doesn't even believe in Mason Garcia right now. We've heard that time and time again in our Pirate Reports that Mike Houston is not ready to commit to Mason Garcia. He didn't even, he wasn't even sure if he was going to be the backup this year. He was struggling. Alex Flynn, quite frankly, I personally believe, outplayed him in preseason. So I say, just take it easy on Holton Aylers. I think he's definitely got an edge over which quarterback is starting out South Carolina, and I think that game's going to be interesting. So when you look at a non-conference schedule, you expect that App State to be a loss. I expect South Carolina to be a win. I expect Charleston Southern, obviously, to be a win. I expect Marshall to be a loss. Look at a non-conference schedule. If we go in to conference play 2-2 two and two out of the non-conference schedule, which was tough, I'd take that all day. I would have no complaints. This season is far from over. Just throwing that out there. Moving on. Texas Tech obviously beat a team that was massively overrated coming into the season in Houston, and it kind of wraps up my American Conference little repertoire there. But with that good comes a lot of bad, and here's my weekend worst. You blew it! Weekend worst. USF lost. That's kind of expected, but not necessarily welcome, especially with who they played this past weekend in that dump over in Raleigh. Another team that's massively overrated by the nerds over in the triangle who couldn't whip a spaghetti noodle. Call themselves men, but call the plumber and watch The Bachelor. You figure that one out. Wolfpack winning and shutting out USF is just a load of garbage that all parts can agree. As a whole, it's just garbage. I, I can't stand the Wolfpack. I can't wait for this team to become irrelevant in another month. I can't believe they got a vote to win the ACC. I, 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 I'm just... Tired of it. Just tired of it. Don't worry, D-Rock. In due time, in just a couple weeks, they'll be irrelevant again. They'll be down there with UNC. Middle of the pack in the ACC. Calling it right now. That's a B-baby pick right there. All right, let's shy away from college football. It's been done to death at this point. Not going to talk about the Clemson loss or Alabama and everything like that. DJ Ukulele is obviously not that guy. I could have told you that. I don't know why everybody was so hyped up over him. I guess because he's another Clemson quarterback. He's going to be the next Trevor Lawrence by default. We're going to move on to a weekend winner. You're a winner. Weekend winner. I get a lot of flack for talking UFC, but I think this is warranted. And you're supposed to talk about this, especially when you're supposed to appeal to the ENC audience. I think it's a great story from a local guy, Derek Brunson. Brunson is a Wilmington NC native. ENC guy who went to UNC Pembroke. Was a national championship wrestler there. And he parlayed that into a UFC career at middleweight. And it's a top 10 ranking right now at middleweight. He's about to be top five after going 3-0 in his last three fights. Beating the likes of UFC hype train Edmund Shabazian, who was a young and undefeated up-and-comer at the time. The UFC wanted Edmund to be the next face of the company, Derek, believe it or not. So bad 
that they put a former face of the company, one of the biggest names in UFC history, and Ronda Rousey in his corner. I don't even think Ronda Rousey knew Edmund Shabazian. They just threw her in the corner so he would automatically get over with the fans by default. Did not work out for poor old Edmund. My man Derek Brunson from Wilmington, North Carolina, finishes him second round. Fast forward to not too long ago, the fire of the year last year, and Kevin Holland, known as the Mouth by Dana White. The Mouth. Another Dana White favorite, known for his trash talking and entertaining fights, wanted to become a contender. And if he beat Derek Brunson, he would have been catapulted into a title picture. They would have wanted to make him the next face of the sport. Guess what? It's absolutely dominated by Brunson. And then moving on to this past weekend, takes on the UK's poster boy in Darren Till. When you think of the UK, does Ireland count as the UK, Derek? Yes. I count them, yeah. I count them. So I've seen when you think of the UK and the biggest fighters from the UK, you got your Conor McGregor's, then you got your Tyson Furies in boxing. And outside of that, believe it or not, the biggest fighter right now is Darren Till. Despite not necessarily having the resume, he's fought in big guys, but he doesn't win against them. But he's very charismatic. He always puts on good fights, even if he comes out in the losing end, and the UK loves him. Well, this hype train that UFC would have loved to make another one of their poster boys. Derek Brunson beats him handily. Another win. And don't be surprised if we see this NC native fight in Israel Adesanya for a title here soon. Believe, believe me, folks, one more win and he's there. And I think he wins that fight. So hats off to my man, Derek Brunson. He's been on the show before. We probably need to get him on here soon. Moving on to a weekend worst, and I'm going to wrap it up here. You blew it! Weekend worst. This one is a no-brainer. Cam Newton. Cam freaking Newton. Former MVP, and just about six years since then, has now been relegated to backup status. Not even that. He doesn't even have a job right now. Former Patriots linebacker Rob Ninkovich reported that Cam Newton was learning the playbook from rookie quarterback Mac Jones. Mind you, Cam Newton started for that team last year. That is not a good sign. And my first impressions when I heard Cam Newton got released by the Patriots was that, oh, well, here's what happened. They would have loved to keep Cam Newton around as a backup, but he was probably told by Bill Belichick and pulled aside that he wasn't going to be the starter. Mac Jones was going to be the starter, and he demanded his release. Now, I Honestly, believe that's what happened. Cam Newton does not want to be a backup in this league. He still thinks he could be a starter. Now, let's face it. He could be a starter. But this is the only situation this year where that happens. If, let's say, a Lamar Jackson goes down. Think about it this way. Cam Newton is not a guy you can plug and play in an offense. The only offense you can plug and play a Cam Newton is a Baltimore, where they could really benefit from a mobile quarterback who also has a somewhat – Somewhat solid passing game. Not great passing game, but somewhat solid passing game. I think they could pick up where they left off if, let's say, Lamar Jackson gets hurt. But that's a big if. And I don't think they're going to resort to Tyler Huntley, who's proven nothing in this league and looked like a terrible backup in preseason. To be playing in the regular season. I think this is the end of the road for Cam Newton, for me personally. That's my personal opinion. And I think a retirement announcement's coming here soon. I'll give it another two weeks. We hear a retirement from Cam Newton. Just going to throw that out there. Book it. Record it. Write it down. That's going to do it for my personal winners and worst for the weekend. 
Derek, you have any? It doesn't have to be sports-related. I know you're not the biggest sports guy, so could have been you got some simply natural ice cream or something over the weekend. I don't know. I do got two here. I'm gonna start with I'm gonna start with my weekend worst because we always like to get the bad news out of the way first. Right? All right, all right, yeah, the bad news first. You blew it. Weekend worst. My weekend worst comes from an article I read last Friday talking about how 10 of the 15 resident dorms at ECU are now experiencing new COVID-19 clusters. Yep. Sounds like last year all over again. Oh, yeah. We have about 65 new COVID cases in the residence halls alone, and this rise in cases could start to push larger classrooms back online. So, guys, please remember, wash your hands, wear a mask indoors, get the vaccine if possible, do everything you can. We can try to prevent this if we can. Ben, how about some good news instead? Yeah, I'm, I'm all for some good news. You're a winner. Weekend winner. Especially if it has nothing to do with COVID, because I'm so tired of hearing about COVID. Aren't we all? Well, I got a cool one for you. So a new nightclub in Glasgow is actually working to substantially harness the energy released by the partiers on the dance floor. They've said that this new system they're implementing actually turns the body heat from the dancing bodies into a source of heating and cooling outfits. Their pioneering system could save the popular night spot up to 70 tons of CO2 emissions per year. Look, me alone in that nightclub can power a whole country. Trust me, Derek. You don't want to see me on the dance floor, Mike. We have to go back out to the clubs, then. Let's do it. I'm down. It's to save the world, guys. I'll record it. You'll be thoroughly impressed on Twitter, my friends. That's at bbyron13 on Twitter, by the way. Appreciate it, D-Rock. You always had the weirdest weekend, winner's weekend worst, but I love it. I don't know. It brings something else to the show, and I love it so much. I love you, D-Rock. Did I tell you that? I love you, I'm so glad to have you back. Be sure to add us on Twitter at 943thegame if your personal weekend winners are worse. If you thought I missed any or if you thought I was off on something, you could call us during the break and we'll have you on to sound off immediately next segment. The phone line is 561-GAME. That's 561-4263. We'll have a pirate report coming your way on the other side of this quick timeout here on the Patrick Johnson Show. Now, Patrick Johnson with today's Pirate Report on the flagship station of the ECU Pirates, 94.3 The Game. Ben Byron, Mr. Announcer, sir. Jace. Anyways, we're going to have an interesting twist when it comes to the Pirate Port, which, by the way, the Pirate Port brought to you today by Acre Station, locally grown pork, beef, fresh, and smoked sausage. Acre Station Meat Farm, Highway 32 in Pinetown. Also brought to you by Doug Henry Chevrolet Buick and GMC in Farmville. That's my neck of the woods there, D-Rock. At Doug Henry Ford and Aiden, you paid more if you didn't get yours at Doug Henry. Anyways, interesting twist on the Pirate Report today. We're going to have head coach, South Carolina head coach, Gamecocks head coach, Shane Beamer here. He had interesting interesting things to say Sunday night, which who has a press conference on Sunday night, by the way? Yuck. Anyways, obviously they have a quarterback situation going on in South Carolina. I think that's going to be the great equalizer in this game when they come to ECU to Dowdy Ficklin. They have no idea he's going to be the starter. I think it's going to be Zeb Copeland, in my personal opinion. I mean, he literally threw for four touchdowns in their game against Eastern Illinois, and I get it. It was Eastern Illinois, but he was the guy that got the most snaps and really kind of made made some noise, really kind of asserted himself. It looked like the starter. I'm sorry, Zeb Nolan was his name. Only competed a little, completed a little bit over 50% of his passes, and I would think that's why there's more so a quarterback competition. 
but he had four passing touchdowns. So I think he's going to be the guy. The other guys didn't even have touchdowns. Didn't even look. Didn't get even nowhere close. So we're going to start things off with Shane Beamer talking Sunday about the quarterback situation, what that's looking like, and if there's a guy he favors so far. We'll see. I'm not going to get into naming who our quarterback is before we get up to East Carolina on Saturday. We'll see how the practice goes. Again, I'm not putting Luke Doty out there before he is ready and um, and uh, uh, before he's ready and healthy. And, you know, just got off the field. We're getting into our East Carolina prep here tonight and tomorrow and getting ready for practice on Tuesday, and we'll see how the week goes. You know, I thought this question by the media was a little bit dumb coming up. He was asked, why won't he name a starting quarterback for their game against ECU? I think it's pretty obvious. You don't want your – you want to keep ECU guessing. You don't want them game planning for a specific guy. Think about it this way. It, it's a whole lot better for your opponent to be game planning for what they think is the starter. Or, no, what, for them to game plan for three different guys instead of game planning for one guy they know is the starter. You rather have that. You rather ha- keep them guessing. I think it's pretty obvious at this point. I don't know why this was asked. I quite frankly just liked his answer to this question. So we're going to play it here. Why won't Shane Beamer name a starter for the game against ECU here in Dowdy Ficklin coming up Saturday, September 11th at noon? Don't know why I would. Um, I'm Dowdy. sure Coach Houston would love that. And um, and he knows. I mean, he's got to get ready for carry on Joiner and and he's got to, they've got to get ready for Luke Doty and Zeb. And, and, you know, we do a lot of different things offensively, so no. And, guys, I'm not going to come in there on Tuesday and tell you who the starting quarterback is. So, you don't need to waste time asking questions about who the quarterback is going to be and what the reps look like because I'm not getting into it. So, um, sorry. Um, that's where we are. I wish we had a head coach here in ECU, and this is not a knock on Mike Houston. He's just a really nice guy when it comes to the media. Wish we had a coach like that that would tell off the media, tell off our local media more so, instead of asking questions all the time. How did Holton look? Does Holton look good in practice? What about the running backs? This is the best running back duo in the country. How are they looking? I know you really like that room. Gets asked every week, I swear to you. Check out our pirate reports every week. You're going to hear a question about, how's Holton Ehlers looking? He's been a starter for three years now. Does he look any different? What about the running backs? Running back's pretty good. They're still good. I, I swear to you, it, it never ends with this local media. The local media here, they love to ask about those two. Those two questions specifically. I can't wait for Houston to just shut them down. He Maybe he never will, but it's going to be a great day when he finally does. It's like, it's the same answer I gave you last time, pal. Nothing's changed. Anyways, I think a good point to wrap up our Pirate Report here was Shane Beamer. He just kind of really gave his appreciation for ECU, really showed a lot of respect. Specifically, when it came to Mike Houston and Holton Ehlers. First of all, I have a ton of respect for Mike Houston, and I don't really know him personally, but what he's done at the places he's been uh, speaks for itself. He's won everywhere that he's been, and and uh, uh, Ruffin McNeil and Lincoln Riley are two of my closest friends in the entire world, and and I know what they did at East Carolina, and I know the pride and that East Carolina has in that football program. I've been going up against them ever since I was a, uh, a sixth grader or fifth grader when my dad went to Virginia Tech. Um, I know the atmosphere uh, in Greenville. I've been down there and, and like, in, like NC State and like North Carolina and, and, and us at Virginia Tech. I know what a challenging place it is to play because all three of those teams have gone in there and gotten beat. Uh, not as familiar with uh, 
some of their personnel, but, you know, very familiar with, with a lot of them. Uh, Holton, we tried to recruit when I was at Georgia, Holton Aylers, and uh, really liked him. I mean, the year that we uh, uh, were recruiting Justin Fields at Georgia, the other quarterback that we liked was Holton if we didn't get Justin. And uh, he's a fantastic football player and, and have followed his career and have a ton of respect for, for him. Ryan Jones uh, was with me, so familiar with Ryan. So got an understanding. C.J. Johnson, I remember seeing C.J. when we were recruiting Holton and, and watching them uh, watching them there in Greenville. So program that I have a lot of respect for. We have a lot of respect for Coach Houston and his staff, and, and we're fully aware of what a uh, challenge it'll be Saturday. I thought it was really interesting to hear Holton Haler's in the same conversation with Justin Fields, who looks lights out phenomenal right now for the Bears in preseason so far. I think presumably he's going to be the starter for the Bears. If not, it's going to be Andy Dalton, and I say week three or week four, we're going Justin Fields. Never thought I would hear him in the same sense with Holton Haler's, which is very interesting, which tells you the caliber of player Holton Haler's can be. It's just a matter of honing that and him being consistent. And I think he could be that guy. First thing we got to do is get him an offensive line. Second thing we got to do is make sure he gets open or receivers get open specifically. Then when he finally, when they finally do get open, he has a clean pocket. He's got to make those plays. I think a lot of times in the app state game, we saw Holton finally get a clean pocket and guys were getting open and he makes a bad throw. He almost gets starstruck. He almost was like surprised. Like, Oh man, my team's actually putting in work right now. My offense is actually doing the right thing. All I got to do is make the play. And I guess he gets in his own head and makes a terrible boneheaded pass or, play and just looks terrible it's a matter of consistency with that offense and I think Holton you can definitely you you would start to hear about him maybe coming in as a late draft pick like seventh sixth round draft pick if he could just be consistent if he's putting up numbers where he's throwing 300 yards and three touchdowns a game and he showcases that mobility which I think is going to take a hit this year because he lost weight a big part of his mobility is running over guys, being bigger than guys. He's smaller now. Lost a lot of weight. Not the same build he was. But if he could still showcase he has a little bit of that mobility, we could talk about Holton being a late-round draft pick. A guy that will end up on an NFL team come a year or two. We're talking SEC coaches even recognize it. Alabama wanted him. Florida wanted him, if y'all remember correctly. Holton's a good player. I think he got a lot of unnecessary slack in that game. It wasn't his best game, but it, he he definitely does not deserve the root of the blame. I think coaching staff, first and foremost, deserves it more than Holton did. And make no mistake about it, he's going to be the starter for the whole year. You don't want Mason Garcia out there. I promise you. I promise you you don't want him out there. Word is Mason Garcia hasn't proved much since we saw him in that Navy game last year, which is very terrifying. That's scary. Anyways, that's going to do it for our daily pirate report brought to you by Acre Station, local grown pork, beef, fresh and smoked sausage, Acre Station Meat Farm Highway 32 in Pinetown, also by Doug Henry Chevrolet Buick and GMC in Farmville, and Doug Henry Ford and Aiden. You paid more if you didn't get yours at Doug Henry. Let's throw it to my man Derek Alcorn for 94 through the game sports update. Derek. Thanks, Ben. We're going to start with Pirate football as they gear up for their home opener against SEC opponent South Carolina. The Pirates look to bounce back from a gut-wrenching loss to in-state opponent App State last Thursday in Charlotte. And the Gamecocks head 
coach Sean Beamer spoke to the media Sunday about his respect for ECU and more specifically, head coach Mike Houston. That game is set to kick off noon here Saturday, and you can listen to live coverage of that matchup right here on the flagship station of the ECU Pirates 94-3 The Game. Also, stay tuned three hours before kickoff as we bring you the Bush Light Pirate Game Day Countdown with Patrick Johnson and ECU football legend Terrence Copper. Elsewhere in college football, the Clemson wide receiver EJ Williams is expected to miss four to five weeks due to a thumb injury, and Michigan wide receiver Ronnie Bell is expected to be out for the rest of the season due to a knee injury. Moving on to the NFL, from the Carolina Panthers, starting right guard John Miller will miss the Panthers' week one matchup against the Jets due to being placed on the COVID-19 watch list. The Houston Texans have officially named a starting quarterback in the NFL veteran Tyrod Taylor. The 49ers signed former Panthers All-Pro corner Josh Norman. And Dallas Cowboys Pro Bowl guard Zach Martin has te tested positive for COVID-19 and will miss Thursday night's season opener against Tampa Bay. From Major League Baseball, the Braves signed ace Charlie Morton to a one-year deal worth $20 million. And from the NBA, center DeAndre Jordan is expected to sign with the Lakers after a contract buyout. Lastly, from the NHL, the Carolina Hurricanes have officially signed Jesperi Kotnimi from the Montreal Canadiens after the Canadiens declined to match a one-year $6.1 million offer sheet. That's going to do it for your 94.3 The Game Sports Update. I'm Derek Alcorn. We're going to have Jim Zoki from the Pirates Radio Network on the other side. Panthers. Quick timeout. Ah, there we go. Welcome back into the Patch Johnson Show. Ben B-Baby Byron filling in for the P-Man on this Labor Day weekend, or extended weekend. D-Rock on the ones and twos. And we're joined by my very favorite guest, who I'm, to be quite frank, be quite honest with you, I'm a little disappointed in. And that's my man, Panthers Radio Network's Jim Zoki. Jim, do you know why I'm disappointed in you? Because uh, I'm not Mick Mixon? No, no. I, I, hey, I prefer yeah. Jim Zoki over Mick Mixon. Hot take there. Jim's, I'm a Jim Zoki guy. <laughs> Jim Zoki guy all the way here. But no, no, no. Jim Zoki picked App State. He was pulling for App State in that game against ECU. I was heartbroken. I can't say that I'm mad. I'm just a little bit disappointed, disappointed Jim. Explain yourself. Explain yourself, please. Well, Ben, I put uh, two kids through college and paid a lot of money at Appalachian State through the years. So I think I've invested heavily in all things. But I know most of their money at that university is funneled into the football program. So I feel like I'm, I'm kind of like an athletic booster. Hey, and all, I have a lot of uh, financial personal investment in that program. All the more reason to pull against them. If I'm paying thousand of dollars <laughs> to somebody, I'm not going to be happy about it. All right. Come on, Jim. What? Nah, I, we can, we, we can let that I can slide. only pick one. We hey, I know what? Slide. I'm picking East Carolina the rest of the season. How's that? There we, we go. Perfect. The rest of the way. You made up for it. That's why you're my favorite. Anyways, okay. Jim, right, let's well, get I'm to back. the Panthers here. Yep. Yeah, you're back. You're back, Jim. We're on good terms now. We got that out of the way. Glad we cleared that out of the we cleared the air here. We got it done. It's over now. Let's talk about the Panthers. So, obviously, we're preparing for week one. Season opener against the New York Jets. It's going to be at home in Charlotte this weekend, this Sunday. Uh, what's the latest rumbling so far throughout the week? We haven't heard much from Panthers camp so far. Who's really showed out? Who's really impressed? What's just the latest news and notes from the Panthers? Well, today we got word that um... – John Miller, the starting right guard, is going to be in COVID protocol and won't be available for the first game. So it'll be uh, Dennis Daly, the uh, former Gamecock, starting at uh, right guard. So that's probably the, the biggest piece of news as far as 
what came out of today, they got together and had a, a, a virtual press conference today with Coach Rule and some of the players today. So that's probably the biggest thing to look forward to right now. Well, that knocked one of my questions out of the way because Derek kind of broke the news for us earlier. Um, more so talking about that situation, is Dennis Daly kind of a guy you prefer over others? Because when you think about the whole John Miller deal, they had plenty of options to kind of replace them. You could have gone with Brady Christian. You could have gone with Deontay Brown, who looked both looked pretty solid there in preseason. And, of course, the other guy, Dennis Daly. Who would you have personally preferred to kind of take that spot? Well, I think, you know, they kind of have been grooming Dennis Daly to become a starter at some point. So, for Dennis, this is going to be a huge opportunity. So, if he comes in and plays well this week, you know, he could be one of those things where he doesn't relinquish that position. But, again, it'll come down to how he plays. You know, John Miller's a veteran guy. So, I think, you know, he's back. and He was here last year, so they know what they're getting in him. But, you know, Dennis has been injured and hasn't played a ton in his kind of short career here. So, it's a great opportunity for him to show otherwise. I completely agree. As long as he's not playing at tackle, I'm all for it. Moving on. Yeah, I'll, I'll see him move on. To, yeah, I think he'll be a guard. I don't think we're going to move on to tackle. Yeah, for sure, for sure. Out of all the rookie quarterbacks who we've seen so far in preseason, one of the quarterbacks who's kind of been the most difficult to really get a great engage on is, on the, is the guy we'll see Sunday and quarterback Zach Wilson. I say that because you haven't paid particularly close attention to him in New York so far in the preseason. The New York media will tell you – I mean, they'll tell you every, they'll tell you stuff that's not even true. They'll tell you – that he's the second coming of Mahomes or Rodgers, or that he's awful and he's going to end up being like Sam Darnold. I've really ne- never heard like much of an in-between there. So let's say you, Jim, what have you seen from Wilson? What is your kind of first impressions from him so far? What's Zach Wilson looking like coming here week one? What, is this a guy they're extra excited about, extra motivated about? Has the team really rallied around him? What's Jim, Zach Wilson looking like so far, Jim? Yeah, I haven't really eyeballed him a whole lot. We'll get more into him this week. But as far as just what I've read about him, of course, he had the game against Coastal Carolina last year. Is that, um, I mean, he's got, a, he's got a big arm. He's got a live arm. So he's got that. I mean, it's a matter of you know, how accurate will he be with that immediately. Obviously, in college he was. But, you know, what, how will that translate in the NFL quickly? And how will he read NFL defenses? How will he handle uh, if the Panthers come after him, which I'm sure they will with blitz packages or right away? kind of test him and, and see if they can get him off his spot a little bit. But he's athletic, obviously. He can move around. Uh, he's got a big frame as far as his height. Uh, so I think, you know, take him seriously, of course. And uh, they, they expect huge things out of him in New York. So we're going to see right away. But I know they've been pretty pleased with him throughout the preseason, the way he's played so far. Speaking of quarterbacks, here's a question I'm almost guaranteed you've never been asked about so far. As you've done your media hits all day today, this is definitely one I guarantee you haven't been asked about. It's about Will Greer. He got cut last week, despite the fact that I personally thought a lot of issues in preseason came around him. More so, he was playing for our threes. Then when we saw P.J. Walker with the threes in the finale, I believe P.J. Walker looked worse than the threes than Will Greer ever did. That's just my personal opinion. Maybe that's a hot take. And I thought Will Greer was really able to kind of close the gap late between him and P.J. in the preseason what was the plan for Will Greer initially once they cut him? Were they kind of looking to bring him back on the practice squad? That's what I thought they were going to do and keep him around before Dallas decided to grab him. Or they just, did they just kind of consider it a botch experiment or a lost cause and they just kind of wanted him gone? They were just going to let him leave. What was, what was the initial plan for Will Greer before he got picked up by Dallas? Well, I think, you know, they were only going to keep two on the active roster this year. And so I think it was between him and 
PJ and, you know, PJ, I think played well in the first and the third games. Like you said, he struggled in the second game with the third units out there. And he was the first to admit that he played well in that game. But, you know, for Will Greer, I mean, uh, he's been here for a couple of years. He's had opportunities to show what he can do. We didn't really get on the field at all last season because of uh, PJ playing in front of them. But uh, yeah, he gets a great opportunity in Dallas to, to prove them wrong. I think they probably would have been strongly considering, I think, probably to bring him back to the practice squad. They never answered that question last week when they were asked about it. So we're never going to know that answer for sure. Um, but, you know, I would think that would be a safe, a safe speculation that with Will's history in this offense and the guy in the practice squad that they're comfortable with, he probably would have had a, a chance to, to be one of those guys that they would have brought back. But I'll be honest, good for Will out of the Charlotte area to be on an active 53-man roster and, and be a backup with the Cowboys, I think is great for him. Oh, no, fair enough. I mean, last year we thought at some point once Will Greer's contract was up or once he was no longer on the Panthers, that was going to be it for him in the NFL. And the fact that he's on a 53-man roster, presumably going to be the backup for Dallas, that's huge for him. All, hey, all respect him, props to him. I'm, I'm, I'm happy for him. And we're going we're gonna to kind of wrap it up here. We're going to keep it quick. I got to you pretty late. I apologize about that. But uh, the big news out of the NFL, of course, is Cam Newton kind of getting released. My initial thoughts on why he got released was maybe he heard or maybe he was told Mac Jones is going to be the starter, and he felt like he still could be a starter in this league. He didn't want to be relegated to a backup, and he demanded his release and kind of wanted to play the field. So it also came out, I believe, yesterday that former Patriots linebacker Rob Ninkovich, something like that. I don't know how you say his last name. I'm sorry, Jim. Didn't do my prep very well. I'm an amateur here. But, uh, yeah, he said that, Mac Jones, rookie quarterback, was teaching Cam Newton the playbook. What are your initial thoughts of that? And is this the end of Cam Newton as we know it? I even made the hot take that I personally think within two weeks here, we're going to hear a retirement, like a retirement announcement here when it comes to Cam Newton. Because I just don't see where he can go and be a starter, especially with his style of play. He's a guy you really got to build the offense around. What's your initial take here on Cam Newton getting released and the words from former Patriots linebacker Rob Ninkovich that – he was learning from learning the playbook from rookie quarterback Mac Jones. You know, I think with Cam, I think um, he got you know outplayed by Mac as far as preseason went. They felt comfortable with that once Mac got the opportunity. When Cam missed a couple of days uh, when he was in the COVID protocol last week, so I think they felt like when Mac came in the way he played well during those past two weeks of their practices and their um, their two preseason games. They felt like they could roll with him as opposed to waiting. So I think they just went ahead and did what they thought was best for them. That's what the Patriots did. As far as Cam goes, I think he'd be smart to sit at home and just wait for an opportunity. We saw so many quarterbacks go down as we do every season with injuries. Um, you know, Josh McCown has famously done that, sat at home. He was here in Charlotte coaching football two years ago at Myers Park High School and then going in on the weekend with the Philadelphia Eagles. So obviously Cam's just come out of camp. So he's in shape. He's prepared to play. It's not like he's been sitting home for a year. So yep. I think the smartest thing he could do is just go home, sit at home, uh, be stay in shape, and be prepared for a phone call when there's probably an injury situation somewhere around the league, which invariably happens. And if he gets the right call and gets that opportunity, then come in and play well. Fair enough. I can see it. Um, just kind of put a little wrapping, wrapping it up there, closing the book on that. If this is the end for Cam Newton, this has been a big debate. Um, I personally don't think he warrants to be in the conversation, but is Cam Newton a Hall of Famer? I don't know. I think he's probably going to have a tough time 
being a Hall of Famer. I think you know he's had uh, he's had some really good years, including by far his best year when the Panthers went to the Super Bowl Fifty and he was the MVP. Um, but is the body of work enough? I mean, he's one of the all-time great running quarterbacks and holds several league records as far as a rushing quarterback in this league. Hall of Fame, um, I think, be very borderline and. Uh, I think it'd be, you know, the way things have kind of gone the last number of years with injuries and, and then the way it's kind of fizzled out at a younger age, um, I don't know that he'll have all the legacy that it would take to get into the Hall of Fame. So for me, I, I think probably uh, close, but no cigar. But we'll, we'll see what, what he's got. If he's got a little more football left in him, maybe he can make a case once again. I completely agree, Jim. I appreciate you coming on, my man. You had a little bit of solo dolo of B-Baby for once. It was about time. I know. I, know, I hope Patrick comes back as your board operator next week and does a great job <laughs> would, in your hosting. I would Patrick, love to see it. Patrick does a great job. You do a great job. And I think the, the best thing is like you're like Will Greer. You both you both get on the active roster. <laughs> you're both hosting shows all the time, you and Patrick. So uh, that's, the, that's the best case scenario. I'll say this, Jim. This is the highlight of my radio career so far. I got my favorite guest on the Patrick Johnson show ever, and I got to do a solo interview with him. So I appreciate that, my man. I enjoyed it, Pat. You did a great job, and uh, look forward to it again in the future. Thank you, Jim. By the way, 7 o'clock tonight on our sister station, 103.7 WTIB, you can hear my man Jim Zoki and Mick Mixon Panther Talk. It's coming your way. They're going to detail and talk about what's happening, what's going to be happening in the season opener, who's starting, what's the latest with John Miller and Dennis Daly, whatever. Cam Newton, maybe they'll talk about him. Who knows? you got to tune in at 7 on our sister station, 103.7 WTIB. Thanks a lot, Jim. You got it, Ben. Thank you. All right. That was Jim Soki of Panthers Radio Networks. Always a good time when he comes on. When we come back, we'll wrap it up. Mike Houston Radio Show next and a whole lot of more. A whole lot of more. That makes a lot of sense, doesn't it, Derek? A whole lot more coming your way after this quick timeout. More of the Patrick Johnson Show is coming up. What? You want more? All right. On your flagship home of Pirate Basketball. 94.3 The Game at 94.3thegame.com. Welcome back to the Pat Johnson Show. Ben B. Baby Byram here to wrap it up. My man Derek D-Rock Alcorn on the ones and twos. Telling you all that's happening tonight right here on our station and our sister stations. Stay tuned. Stick around. In just a couple minutes, the Mike Houston Radio Show. A lot of questions to answer here after that uh, performance against Ab State, 33-19 loss in Charlotte in the Dukes Mayo Classic. I'm pretty sure they'll be taking your questions in that. If not, stay tuned. I'm sure he'll address a lot of concerns. Talking about Holt. Talking about missed tackles. Talking about the offensive line. He's going to cover all of it. That's all coming your way at 6 on 94.3 The Game. Be sure to tune in at 7 at 103.7 WTIB, our, our sister station. As soon as the Mike Houston radio show's over, you can just turn the dial over to 103.7. Listen to our guy Jim Zoki and Mick Mixon, friends of the show, talk the Panthers and their season opener against the New York Jets. In the meantime, special thanks to my man Derek Alcorn and a special thanks to Patrick Johnson for letting me fill in. He'll be back tomorrow and for the rest of the week, Talking everything ECU. I'm sure he'll have his personal takes on college football over the season, over the weekend, and a, a lot more. I'm sure there's golf in there. I'm sure there's some high school football thrown in there. And uh, if you didn't like me, he'll be back tomorrow, tomorrow at five. I promise. In the meantime, 
I was your host, Ben Byram. Derek Alcorn on the ones and twos. Reminding you to stay safe and tune in tomorrow at 5 here on the Pack Johnson Show.